Hello, and welcome to Forensics Faces. I'm Kurt Graves, your host and head coach from Sheboygan North High School. This week, we're talking to Stephanie Yachman, a teacher and former competitor who offers a great perspective on how forensics can influence your life long term, even if you don't grow up to be a forensics coach. In high school, Stephanie was a powerhouse forensics competitor, four-time state finalist in speech, and a three-time state champion in special occasion and oratory. Full disclosure, she was also my forensics co-captain and one of my best friends. Now a certified grown-up, Stephanie teaches English at Notre Dame Academy in Green Bay and is pursuing her master's in English. She is the advisor of the school yearbook and she continues to participate in forensics as a judge. She remains one of my best friends. Stephanie and I sat down in September to catch up and chat about forensics. Before we listen to that conversation, though, I have an apology to make. Some of you may know Nick Bubb, who is a coach in Madison and a pretty big deal in the WDCA right now. Nick and I went to high school together along with Stephanie, and he was known for a pretty distinguishable laugh. And by distinguishable, I mean weird and hilarious. I may have spent four years making fun of it. That's three years while we were in high school together and an additional year after he graduated when I continued to make fun of it. I may have made fun of it last week, actually. Well, in editing this segment of Forensics Faces, I had the chance to examine my own laugh, and I realized that it is both dorky and annoying. So, Nick, I'm sorry for making fun of your laugh. Clearly, I had no right. And to the listeners of this program, my sincerest apologies go out to you as well. Here's my conversation with Stephanie. So hello, Stephanie. Hello, Kurt. Thank you for being on Forensic Spaces. I am happy to be here. You're a teacher. Yes. So what did you do with your summer? Oh, good question. I took what I call my coast-to-coast-to-coast tour. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of coasts. Yeah, it it was unplanned that it was going to be that way, but it just worked out that um, in the middle of June, I went to New York City to visit some um, British friends that I had made when I studied abroad in college. And flew back to Green Bay from New York, and about two days after that, left to go to Lake Tahoe for an IB teacher training. And then flew... is that like IB a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. IB an English teacher. Yeah. Um, no, IB is the International Baccalaureate. And then after Lake Tahoe, I flew back to Wisconsin, and about two days after that, went to Tampa, Florida. Came back to Wisconsin and then flew back to Florida for the wedding. So, coast to coast to coast. Coast to coast. coast. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So now that the school year has started, what keeps you busy these days? Um, School. (laughs) (laughs) I I teach five classes at Notre Dame Academy, I should say, where I teach. When I'm not in the classroom working with my students during the regular school hours, there's always papers to grade after school. I also advise our yearbook staff. Um, so that keeps me busy at least one night a week. And I, I'm working in my, on my master's degree in English at UW Oshkosh. So what do you do for fun? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? No. Yeah. Um, school school it is really fun. But um, I'm an avid TV fan. So now that the fall season is beginning again, I'm a happy camper. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll read for pleasure. Right now I'm in the middle of Jacqueline Machard's newest book. Yeah. Another great uh, Wisconsin writer. And um, I love going to the movies, going to shows. Yeah, and I've got a brother who's in the Badger Band, so we try to get to at least, I try to get to at least one Badger game. We were just at the one at Soldier Field against Northern Illinois. 
I live vicariously through my two brothers who have been in the Badger Band because I played the flute in high school and I would never have been admitted into the band. But they always just seem so cool. Is my, there not flute in the Badger Band? No, you could never hear <laughs> You could never hear a flute. What if there were a hundred flutes? <laughs> then maybe. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> and they'd only really need us for the Stars and Stripes forever for that okay. cool little piccolo line. But, um, no, you're talking about things I, I, I don't understand. My, my dream, Band geeks only. My this dream is a show though, about forensic stuff. <laughs> my dream, though, of, of polka dancing, I'm going to just put this out there onto Good. the internets, that I have a dream of polka dancing with a member of the Badger Band when they play their polkas. And I wanted to do this since I was a little girl, and I saw those cute Badger Band boys dancing with the old ladies in the audience. Aww. And even though I have told my brothers that I want this to happen, it has yet to happen. Maybe this is a good time also to mention that one of the reasons I picked you is because you are the other half of my brain. Yes. Um, so for those of you who don't know Stephanie and I, we went to high school together. And co-captains of the forensics co-captains team. Co-captains of the forensics team. And so that's how we know one another. Yep. Um, so I've often wanted to ask you, do you ever meet students who remind you of you or more excitingly me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Do I ever meet students who remind Have me? Have you met the us of Notre Dame Academy? Um, you know what? There, my first year, there were two students who kind of reminded me of us, just in the way that they they were sort of the other halves okay. of one another, and you know did a lot of stuff together, made a lot of things happen together. I haven't seen anybody who's exactly like us though. Okay. But do I see students who definitely would have been great members of our forensics team or who would have fit right in? Yeah. Yes. I look at groups of students and go, in high school, you would have been my people. Um, if you had to explain forensics to a total stranger, what would you say? Um, it is investigating crime scenes to learn about <laughs> <laughs> what happened. Okay, you are fired as the marketing person for the WFCA. No, um, I was trying to get you a job here. <laughs> forensics is the art of public speaking, or, or it's it's the practice of the art of public speaking, I guess. Um, it, I would say it's as a competitive sport. It's an opportunity for students to share their gifts for drama, for speech, for interpretation of literature. It's a confidence builder for young people. Do you still find yourself having to explain what forensics is to people? Yes. Yes? Yeah. If they didn't go to a school that had a program or if they've been out of school for a while and just never heard it called that, yes. No. So tell us about your experience with forensics. Oh my Give gosh. us the rundown. Wow. Because you had quite the forensics career. Yes, I did. And when I th- which I'm not jealous of anymore. <laughs> no? Well, of course I am. <laughs> um, but tell the people how awesome you Okay. Are. Well, forensics is one of those things where now I, I look back and I think, gosh, what would my life have been without it? Because it really did shape a good, I think it shaped my life, period. Like not a good part of it, just it shaped my life. Um, I, in middle school, I did the once a year forensics competitions um, where I think I memorized I did storytelling so I memorized a story and delivered it one was a Muppet book and one was a book about a boy who wouldn't go to bed there's a new book out for kids who won't go to bed have you heard of it? (laughs) yes I have it's title can't be repeated on this podcast so in middle school I had been interested in it and then when I got to high school I knew that we had a forensics team and thankfully there were a few students who I had been in elementary and middle school with, so we knew each other well from that, they were a little bit older than I was, who were on the forensics team. 
and I think I came to the introductory meeting and they were really insistent. You've got to join us. You've got to join us. Come on. You know, you want to be a part of the team. And that really sold it, that here were these people I knew who wanted me there, older kids who thought it was cool that I was interested in joining, who really encouraged me. And so shout out to people like Nick Bubb and Pat Taylor and Jessica Jooms who said, stay, you're yeah. going to like this. Um, so freshman year, I did special occasion speaking and I did a speech. Uh, the occasion was a, like a millennium celebration, talking about somebody significant from the past millennium to grade school students. And so I decided to speak about Louise May Alcott, one of my favorite writers. And instead of talking about her work as a writer, I talked about her early life in that she really had to fight for what she wanted to get done. And the speech went well yeah. <laughs> in that as a freshman in high school, I took first at state with that speech. Yes. Yes, yes you did. Can, yes. I, can I just interrupt yes. you for a second and yes. say that as a freshman, I got fourth place at state, <laughs> Yes. which on any other bus, I'm sure was very exciting. Yeah. But on our bus ride home, I was the one with the small Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie had the big one. <laughs> and it was, and it came, it was totally unexpected. I mean, it had been a, a strong season, but yeah. Never would have expected that. I remember, I think one of my favorite moments is I called home and said, I took first to place at state and my mom, it was like, in, on, you couldn't understand her, her words. It was just, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> her voice excessively higher. What? You did what? So it was, it was exciting. Yeah. So sophomore year, I did special occasion again and repeated that state championship. Mm -hmm. This time with a speech about the Library of Congress and having moxie. Which was actually very interesting. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I, again, I know people just heard a speech about the Library of Congress <laughs> and went, mwah, mwah. <laughs> yeah. So I should point out here, both of my speeches were about things that I was passionate about. I got to speak about Louise May Alcott. I got to speak about the Library of Congress, my favorite building in the nation, um, and about writing, because it was mm -hmm. a writing competition. I was giving the keynote speech for that. So something I should say is that forensics is testing these public speaking skills, but it's also really a place for students to pursue their passions to share their passions. Yeah. And that's what I got to do with those two speeches. Junior year, my coach has said, none of this special occasion anymore. You move into oratory. <laughs> <laughs> and I did a speech about humility, which partnered with that of the other half of my brain. Yes. Who spoke about? Pride. Yes. One of us did very well that year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and as a junior in oratory, my first year in the category, I took first place. Against some again. really stiff competition. Against I'm going to throw right out that, there. That, I mean, 2000, what was that? 2002. Yeah. 2001, 2002. Excellent year for speech. Yeah. Like, neck and neck competition every week. Yeah. The, you know, leaderboard kind of moving up and down and up and down and up and down. It was just, it was and a excellent. good. And we had, in the state of Wisconsin that year, the CFL national champion. Exactly. So, yes. I mean, Ms. it Venus was. Cooper. Yes. And yeah. Shout out so to you, her. Yeah. Shout out to Venus. Our team alone had a really great group of speakers because you and I were competing in mm -hmm. oratory and then um, Pat Taylor, Pat. right? Mm -hmm. But it, oh, it was just, it was a good year for speech. Yeah. People laugh at me because I'll talk about, as a judge now, I love taking on something like oratory. Yeah, it's a 10-minute category, but when it's good, it's good. It's yeah. just so, so good, so moving. Um, and when, you, when you've competed in it, then as a judge, it's so satisfying to see kids who get it, who have put in the work, and you know the kind of work and time that it takes to put into a good oratory speech. Agreed. Yeah. Um, senior year, I did oratory again. Had a pretty successful season overall at individual meets and then uh, took fifth at state, yep. which was tough. But at the same time, it was another really tough year for speech. Yeah, it was. And my speech was 
one of those like can go one way, can go the other way. But and I was, what was your topic senior year? I was talking about not paying too much for the whistle, which is a phrase from Ben Franklin. That's right. That idea of not spreading oneself too thin, which was a message that I should take to heart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was often I wrote speeches trying to convince myself to the humble thing took root. Definitely. Yeah. I, I hope. But um, the not paying too much for the whistle, not spreading myself too thin, still working on mastering that. Yeah. And those two. And then I, I got to go to nationals um, for three years in a row. CFL Nationals for three years in, mm-hmm. in New York, in Pittsburgh, and then in D.C. And in D.C., we got the chance to go to the Library of Congress yes, together, we did. which was really cool. Yes. That was one of those, what I like to call circle moments. Yes. Full circle moments. Absolutely. Because we, you know, you had your speech, and then there we go, and those quotes you were quoting in yes. your speech, they're right there on the wall, yep. and we're here for forensics, and yes. yeah, that was a cool awesome. moment. Um, and then senior year, we both went to Nationals. Yes. And I went sort of on a fluke. Like, I was a last-minute ad. To NFL ad. Yeah, yeah, to NFL Nationals. So Not that, that you weren't deserving. Well, thank you. In Atlanta. Yes. Home of the Coke Museum. Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you like to tell people what you did to me and our fellow teammate, Roseanne <laughs> DiPaoli, involving <laughs> yes. Atlanta and the uh, Coca-Cola Museum? Here's the thing. So, when you take a school trip to Atlanta, there are certain hotspots one must visit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Coke Museum being one of them, CNN being another. And the the band at school, because I was also in the band, um, had taken their band trip to Atlanta the year prior to Nationals, or maybe even two years prior. I can't remember. But so we had gone to the Coke Museum. We had gone to CNN. And so I knew that at the Coke Museum, when you get to the end, you get to taste the Cokes of the world or the Coke <laughs> products of the world. And I happen to know that the Italian Coke product on the fountain was like a palate cleanser. And so it tastes terrible (laughs) (laughs) it's it's meant to clear the taste buds it really just scalds the tongue with its horrible flavor and so what do i do (laughs) i tell kurt and roseanne hey you've got to tell you've got to taste this italian soda it's so good and for the record this is right after we've qualified for nationals (laughs) stephanie doesn't even think she's going with us at this point in time yes (laughs) she's just like you've got to taste the italian (laughs) coca-cola Yes. Make sure you get there and try it. Yes. So we go to the Coke Museum and make them a month both. and a half later. <laughs> <laughs> make them both taste it. And what was your reaction? I'm pretty sure we spit it out. Yeah. It was terrible. And Stephanie's laughing. Yes. <laughs> the extent of evil my laugh. practical Insert joking. Evil laugh yes. Here. <laughs> but tell me a little bit about how forensics has impacted your life post high school. Oh. So, I mean, I was lucky to experience a lot of great success in high school. So that was confidence building in itself. The fact that I'm earning awards for something I just love doing. Mm-hmm. And what I should say about my high school forensics experience, too, is that, yes, the awards were great. You know, they made me feel great about myself. They were really exciting for my family to be able to celebrate with me. It was exciting for me to represent my school and my community that way. But when I think back on it, I think about the people that I rode the bus with every five o'clock in the morning and four o'clock in the afternoon that it forensics gave me a place to be and to belong and people who really understood me you know people who knew about monty python in the school a lot of people who didn't people who were interested in show tunes who were interested in plays who were interested in literature and in reading it with gusto um that you just didn't find everywhere else and so forensics for me was it certainly i I was driven to pursue my own success, but I mean, by senior year, it was about the team. It was really about the team and and fighting and competing as a team. 
And I think everybody understood that, and that's why we worked so hard and, and did so well, because everybody was in it for the team. So um, how has it affected me post high school? Well, I feel really comfortable speaking in front of people because for four years I did it every Saturday. And so when I decided to go into teaching, which is a decision that I made senior year of high school, I, I had no problem getting up in front of classrooms. And I think once I started to think about my classroom as another audience of sorts, it, fa- it made me feel comfortable because I knew from what I had done as a speaker that I could connect with people, that I had that power and I knew how to use my voice, how to use my eyes, how to use my gestures to connect. So it made me really comfortable in front of a classroom made me really comfortable working with coworkers and speaking up at a meeting because again I knew I could express myself and I knew how to project my voice and make my presence known. I think being a speaker and often we're writing argumentative speeches, I'm a better stronger argumentative writer because I wrote speeches because I knew what I had to do to convince an audience. And I always talk to my students about the importance of convincing your audience, making them believe you, using the evidence that you need to make them go along with you. And so much of that is speech. So, you know, part of speech is presentation, but part of speech for me as a judge in particular is, is it well-written? Yeah. You know, it's your evidence there. You can be all sparkly and, and shiny and, you know, you can have a lot of charisma, but if there's no meat there in the actual text, forget about it. So it's made me a better writer. It's made me a better teacher. Um, and I think it's made me a better person because I, I came from a small Catholic middle school and then and a Catholic elementary school, both schools that I loved, both schools that had great people in them. Uh, but coming to a public high school and then being on the forensics team, I made friends that I probably wouldn't have made otherwise. I, you know, met people I would not have met otherwise, and so I think it made me a better college student because I was eager to get to know a lot of different people, you know, from a lot of different walks of life. And I'm still that way as a teacher. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Mary Wacker would be happy to hear you say that. <laughs> Shout out Mary Wacker. Because <laughs> um, one of the things that she has said, and I, I think I was just in the room eavesdropping. She wasn't actually saying it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, one thing she said that really has stuck with me over the last year, especially of being a coach, is that this is the most collegiate thing that any high schooler gets to do. Yes, absolutely. In that you're going out, you're meeting new people, you have to handle a whole day by yourself. Um, and so that was that was something. I should get her on the show to talk more about that. Cause yes, I, absolutely. Yeah, I think it made me better prepared for college because, yeah, I was taking care of myself. Um, also, I should talk about this, you know, students who've gone to nationals or really state competitions travel. I think uh, the most traveling I did in high school was a result of forensics. And it it gave me the travel bug. I loved seeing new places and doing new things. And so that, I mean, it made me more comfortable with the idea of studying abroad when I got to college. In your everyday life, what are the skills from forensics you use? Just speaking ability, the Mm -hmm. ability to speak clearly the ability to organize my thoughts, eye contact, you know, making sure I'm connecting with people, listening. That's a big one. I talked to my students about the importance of listening. And this summer, I took a Writing Center Theory course and wrote a whole paper on the idea of rhetorical listening, that, you know, when we listen, we just absorb it. It's not a matter of judging what we've heard or anything like that, that we're we're just listening to absorb it. And I think forensics taught me to be a good listener because I had to sit there and listen to my competitors. And I, I learned a lot by yeah. doing it. 
And I also learn to pick up on different things as a result of listening. So I think listening is a skill I practice every day. And just and, and friendship and support, encouragement. You know, being happy for people who are doing well when I may not be as successful. I know it's hard to distill it down to one, but <laughs> what is your favorite forensics memory? Oh, can I give a, a selection? Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. I think the roasts that you and I did are right up there. Kurt and I wrote roasts for all the seniors up until our senior year when our coaches had to roast us mm-hmm. uh, but we came back yes for we an did. encore performance <laughs> yes we did for the the seniors who were juniors right underneath us yes As a so we got to do four yes we did the only people in the history of north <laughs> people Forensics. should really be calling us to hire as hosts for right? events why have they not i think winning state for the first time this is a sad memory good memory to have but yet it's a good memory because it was a powerful experience when our our um, team took second at state our senior year and we were so so close to getting first Mm -hmm. and I remember just kind of I was crying and I mean we were all really upset but there was such a togetherness and a feeling of you know we worked so hard and we should still be proud of how far we got yeah so that moment kind of burned in my brain of being so close to our coaches, I think I remember Doc Zach put his arm around me, and he knew he didn't have to say anything, but he knew how I felt. Yeah. And he knew how all of us felt, and that was a cool moment. Um, and then I think I, my junior year, when I was doing really well with oratory, there were a couple of times when we were up there on the stage, and Pat would be up there, you would be up there, and there were a couple of times when if I took first, Pat picked me up and spit me around, and that's, yeah. that's a good memory too. <laughs> What's your favorite memory? Oh, turning it around on the host. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I have to think about the roasts as probably the highlight for me. Yeah. I mean, because it, it wasn't public. Like, it wasn't, like, in front of the whole state or even at a, a regular tournament. Yeah. It was just to feel successful within that group of people who I cared so much about and who I thought the world of. That was, to me, like, it, when we would go out and the pressure was so – after that first year, the pressure – was insane so yeah once we kept doing it and kept being asked to do it again that was that was probably my favorite yeah so now as you talk and i think about boiling it down to one Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say favorite moment would be the last moment of those roasts like when we wrapped everything up that feeling Mm -hmm. of we did it and there's such a good finality to it. And we always ended on a note of love where yep. it was like, joke, 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 joke. No, we really love you. Yes. And and that moment at the end, really the end of any speech, maybe Mark's my favorite. Um, what do you think of the forensics community in Wisconsin? Wow. How lucky are we I know. to be speakers in Wisconsin? What do I think about it? I think it's awesome. Um, I think this is a state that really nourishes and, and nurtures forensics kids. The fact that we have a Forensics Coaches Association that's developed other categories that help students to find the best niche for them and also train for the NFL categories, I think that's wonderful. The fact that we have, we've made it a competitive sport, that we've recognized that it really is a skill, that it's an art, that it's something kids can compete against one another about and yet work together as a team for, amazing. So I, I think we have an incredibly supportive, innovative, creative, all-around wonderful forensics community. What is Farago? 
Um, you tell me. <laughs> no, no, you have to tell me this time. What is Farago? Um, as you understand it. As I understand it, it is a category um, that <laughs> invites competitors to deliver to deliver um, interpretations of literature around a focused topic. So what makes a good Farrago? What makes good a good topic, like a good theme? Um, and, and there have been some really interesting, some really good ones. I like Farrago as a judge because you see a lot of different interesting things. And it really, you recognize what a challenging category it is. Because it's not just good at being good at interpreting poetry or good at interpreting prose or even good at interpreting drama. It's everything. Yeah, I think it's a challenging category. What makes good Farrago? Yeah, a person who's really great at interpreting literature and a person who understands literature and its nuances so that they can find that little nugget, that little theme to connect it all together. Also, another question I plan to ask everybody. What, uh, well, because you were mostly a speech baby, yes. but you do judge forensics. Yes. So you have, you've had the opportunity to see different categories. Yes. So in your mind, what is the difference between interp and acting? I think with interp, there's always the understanding that the story is being delivered by a singular narrator. I think an interpreter can change their voice to some extent, but there's always that, kind of like a book on tape. There's always that understanding that there's one reader. And also it's less expressive in terms of how the body moves. So acting, I would say, the difference is that they, the actor really is imbuing the character. I think that's the right verb embodying the character there okay. we go <laughs> they were viewing they'd be putting something into them um, <laughs> the actors really embodying the character can put on a much different voice and it's much more physical i feel mm. like acting is a much more physical category than interp as a three-time state champion yes. in speech what do you look for when you're judging a speech category oh what do i look for i look for originality but not to the point of foregoing the rules I look for good organization in the speech. You know, can I follow where you're going? Good organization that is that does not overdo it. I'm one of those people that doesn't necessarily need you to spell out all your points before you make them. I kind of want to listen along and be a little bit surprised. A good speech or a good speaker has charisma. There's a certain light in their eyes that they love, you can tell they love it every time they deliver it, that it's not mechanical, it's fluid, it's natural. And, well, and the speech is well-written. You know, they're using good, interesting, original evidence. I'm also one who, when it comes to oratory, pick something abstract, you know? Tell me something I don't know. Talk about something I haven't heard about. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just inform me. Enlighten me. Oh, I like that. Is that written on a coaster somewhere? No, but it, it should. should. Be. <laughs> so what does your family think of forensics? Do they understand what it is or why it's important to you? Yeah, I think they do. I think my family under knows what it is. D maybe didn't necessarily at first, but knows what it is and understands what it means to me. Certainly, you know, because I was so involved in it in high school. I, I know they have a real affection and support for it. At least certainly uh, my dad and my mom and my stepmom knew what how much it mattered and helped out with fundraisers and things like that came to all those events and i'm lucky that i've had family who've actually come to meets 
to see me speak once or twice, which makes me feel really special because it can be, (laughs) I know if you're not in the sport, it can be kind of tiresome to listen to everybody else's speech while you're waiting for your relative to speak. But they really supported me that way. And my brothers too. Do you remember at the time when you were in high school, did you enjoy them coming to do that or were you a little freaked out? Um, I, for the most part, I enjoyed it. Okay. You know, it was always, I would have to explain to everybody that they were coming and it was kind of out of the ordinary that I had family coming, but it made me feel special that they wanted to come see me. I ask only because I have forensic students now who their parents will come up to me and say, is it okay if I come to like, especially like the Sheboygan North meet, yeah. it's like it's in town, can I come see them? And I'll be like, that's absolutely no problem, come see me, I'll tell you what room they're yeah. in, you can go watch around. And then the kid will come up to me and be like, why did you tell my dad he could come watch me give a speech? I absolutely could not do that in front of him. And it's it's an interesting dynamic because the students as I know them are so dynamic and outgoing yeah. and outspoken. Yeah. But put a parent in front of them and they're like, they would clam up. I think more parents should come in. They, parents should see the great things that their students do in forensics. And and I think community members should see it too. I mean, you want to look at the kids who are going to be great leaders on your staff, who are going to be able to speak to another person in business, come to a forensics tournament. What is your biggest dream? To publish my writing. Has been my dream since maybe I was three or four years old. Still is. And what advice do you have for forensic students today? Stick with it. Um, Don't get discouraged. And practice, practice, practice. It's a fun activity. It's a great time to hang out with your friends and and make new friendships. It's a place for you to build confidence. But but practice. Because it will make you more comfortable with things. And it will make you hopefully more successful. And so to accompany that idea of practice, 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 pursue success. Also, just enjoy it. Love it. Live it. In four years, it'll go by so quickly, and you'll wish you had those Saturday more Saturdays to just spend at a school, <laughs> moving from room to room, bundling yourself in your coat because they decided not <laughs> to turn the heat on. <laughs> yeah. So savor it. Stephanie, each week we try to outsmart our guest in our game, okay. FaceTime. This is how it works. <laughs> I love you got a name for it. Of course I have a name for it. It's ridiculous. Okay, so this is how it works. I have 20 questions inspired by a forensics category. 20 questions. You holy have holy. 90 seconds. That's <laughs> 75 seconds with a 15 second grace period. Okay. To answer as, <laughs> ma- as many questions as you can. Okay. Your topic this week is based on public address, which was my <laughs> oh. first category in forensics. <laughs> I see. As you know, public address is a speech uh, based on a topic of interest. Yes. But today we're going to ask you about the other kind of address, <laughs> a physical address. <laughs> So answer as many questions as you can about famous addresses, some real, some fiction, and your final score will be printed on a FaceTime plaque Uh for you to show off to family and friends. Nice. So your 90 seconds will begin when I finish reading the first question. Are you ready? I'm ready. This fictional family lives at Four Privet Drive and houses a boy wizard in a cupboard. That would be the Dursleys. Correct. 30 Rockefeller Plaza is the home of what major television company? NBC. Correct. The Prime Minister of the UK lives at 10 what street? Um, Downing. Correct. The women of the ABC series Desperate Housewives live on blank lane. Wisteria Lane. Correct. What literary detective lived at 221B Baker Street? That'd be Sherlock Holmes. Correct. Blank is located at 1265 Lombardy Avenue. Uh, Lambeau Field. 
The president of the United States lives at 1600 Blank Avenue. Pennsylvania. Correct. This California zip code was na- made famous by a television 90210. drama. You know it. <laughs> Correct. The New York Stock Exchange is housed at 11 Blank Street. Wall. Correct. The lesser known address 4059 Mount Lee Drive in Hollywood, California is home to what very well-known landmark? The Hollywood sign? Correct. This street in Memphis is considered to be the home of the blues. Um. Oh, I know this. Uh, not Bourbon Street. Um, uh, no. Pass. Pass? Yeah. The Empire State Building in New York City is located on the corner of 34th Street and Blank Avenue. Broadway? No. no. Fifth. Ah. Commonly referred to as the Nun's Scrum, this Sydney landmark stands at Benelong Point. The Opera House? The Sydney Opera House, yes. One for the sports fans, what legendary Chicago sports field is located at 1060 West Addison Street? Soldier Field? Wrigley Field. Oh, the other one. And Lombard Street now. is considered the crookedest street in the world and is located in what California city? San Francisco. Correct. And that is 90 seconds. Woo! 13 correct answers. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. Awesome. But you will receive a forensics FaceTime plaque that says that you got 13 correct answers. I will display it with honor. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for being a part of Forensics Faces. Thank you, Kurt, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for joining us for Forensics Faces. Special thanks to this week's Forensics Face, Stephanie Yachman. Is there still something you want to know about Stephanie? Post your questions, start a conversation, and view exclusive content like Stephanie's must-do list on the Forensics Faces blog at ForensicsFaces.com. Our theme song is by Kate Marshall. FaceTime prizes are furnished by Distinctive Images, offering creative and personalized laser imaging at distinctiveimages.net. Forensics Faces is produced with the support of the WFCA, developing communication skills vital for a lifetime of effective participation in society. Find out more at wfcaforensics.org.